Just how exactly is Michigan State prepping for their road trip to Washington? Also, hey, why should us MSU fans feel a little optimistic about this weekend despite being underdogs? And then let's take a deeper look at Peyton Thorne's struggles, but also successes as well. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. greatest people in the world. You already know who you are. You are the listeners and viewers of Locked On Spartans. Thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's right, taking care of your team's news five days a week as we lead up to kickoff of Game 3. And yes, we finally have a really good test to look forward to. Just exactly how is Michigan State preparing for that game? And also, hey, what else did coaches and players have to say at today's media availability? But before hopping into that in Segment 1, hey, just really quick... Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast or YouTube channel, however you are digesting this media. And uh, hey, actually, if you are watching on YouTube, third segment I think you're going to like because we're going to mix things up. We're actually going to try some video elements here. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm not going to you know, just leave you high and dry. We're going to talk you through everything that we're watching. But yes, we're going to try something different today. And if it, if it goes catastrophic, well, hey, at least it'll be very entertaining to see how heavy this fails. But now, nah, I think this is going to work. So uh, just stay tuned for segment three here as we look at Peyton Thorne's struggles. But also, hey, some really good plays by him that we could learn a lot from. So before all that, just like I said, let's get to talking about... Well, how on earth is Michigan State preparing for this road trip to Washington? And honestly, it doesn't really seem like a road trip you should have to prepare a ton for. Like, yes, Washington is a three-hour time difference, but at the end of the day, it's still just a 7.30 Eastern time kick. But that does not mean that Mel Tucker and the health and nutrition staff on Michigan State football's program's payroll is taking any days off here. Look, I, I think we could all go back to the Miami game last year. Okay, that was like stepping into a oven, an even more humid oven, actually, down in South Beach. So, yes, the nutrition and health program was massive in Michigan State's win. But also, at Mondays with Mel, yes, the press conference, the weekly press conference, Mel put a lot of chips into the bag of the nutrition and health, even though, look, just like I said, I mean, yeah, three-hour time difference and it's not like you are stepping into an oven that you did in Miami or, God, if you remember the game at Arizona State back in 2018 where it was 104 degrees for kickoff. In Washington, it's only going to be a high of 63, a low of 49. It's not going to be really uncomfortable weather, but that does not mean that there's still a lot of prep. Just like I've said, just like Mel Tucker has said, and just like the players have said as well during Tuesday's media availability. That's right. This is why we're going to be talking sleep for the next few minutes, just because of everything said so far this week from Mel and the players, the heaviest emphasis is on the preparation and the sleep. Like Cal Halliday said that the time zone change is a key talking point and they have adjusted their sleep because, quote, it is a difference. That is going to be a thing we stress this week. Now, if you remember, why are they putting an emphasis on sleep? And why is Cal Halliday talking about sleep on Tuesday? Well, it's because Mel talked about it on Monday and said that he is encouraging players, probably pretty heavily encouraging players, to get to bed an hour early leading up to this game. And yeah, at the face value, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's, yeah, you want to get on sync with the time zone you're in. And then, then I actually start to think. It's like, wait, wouldn't you want to go to bed 
later to get synced up with the West Coast time zone here. But there's science behind it. That's right. Uh, me, not so much of a scientist, but luckily the staff on Michigan State's football uh, program, they're pretty big into science here. So we're going to take their word for everything here. And it's interesting because Peyton Thorne actually alluded to, well, the term that they're using, and it's called the sleep bank. Thorne said, quote, I don't want to say much, but we call it the sleep bank. So what on earth is the sleep bank? How is it going to help Michigan State play in Seattle at 7.30 Eastern time? Still not a crazy time, but how is it going to get them in rhythm for what to expect in Seattle? Long story short, the sleep bank, you fall to sleep an hour early as you lead up to your big day. This is actually a common practice used with marathon runners. Who knew? I, certainly certainly not this guy that could barely hold together for a 5K. But yes, this is a something that marathon runners do in build-up to their race. They get to bed an hour early. So, nine hours of sleep per night instead of eight. And then by the time the big day rolls around, you do have a little more energy, a little more alertness, and all the good stuff that comes with a little extra sleep because, hey, we all know that sleep helps the body. So, this is how MSU is tackling that portion. But also... A very interesting uh, portion of this press conference here uh, on Tuesday during the availability with the players is that it was mentioned that the players will not be sleeping more than 30 minutes on the flight over to Seattle. And you also think, okay, well, you got you want to sleep, you know, as you go to Seattle. I thought we're building a sleep bank here. Mm mm, mm mm. Now we're talking about jet lag, okay? And hey, well, there's actually some more science behind this as well as healthpartners.com. That's right. I'm sure that's a reputable site. It says health partners in their website name for crying out loud. This is a nine tips to avoid jet lag article that I stumbled upon. And one of the tips was, quote, if you need it, take a shorter nap can help you stay awake during the day. But napping for more than 30 minutes can keep you from falling asleep at night. So, hey, as Michigan State travels over later this week... You don't want guys cranking out three-hour naps on the plane, and then by the time nighttime rolls around, they just don't feel like sleeping the night before the game. And now everything you've done with the sleep bank, completely derailed. So, yeah. How about that? We've talked about a lot of topics on this podcast ever since I've been doing it for a few years now. can safely say I don't think we've ever talked about sleep. Uh, but, yeah, this is a definitely an interesting topic that Michigan State keeps reiterating throughout the week here. Um, yeah, so, hey, now you're prepared. Maybe you start sleep banking on the way to the game. Or maybe you're just like me. You're so stressed out and wound up about this game that you're, you're going to be up and alert regardless for 7.30 on Saturday on ABC. Or, hey, in Seattle if you're one of the lucky people going to the game. Now, uh, other notes from today's availability. Jacoby Winman was one of the players that spoke with the media and said that when he was at UNLV last year, he played Fresno State and now Washington coach Kalen DeBauer. That's right. Kalen DeBauer was at Fresno State last year. And uh, Jacoby Winman said that, you know, saw a lot of similarities in the prep for Saturday's game. Uh, now, hey, Jacoby Winman did pretty good against Fresno State last year, pretty good against Kalen DeBauer's offense last year. He led the team with eight tackles. However, as I'm sure you all remember, uh, Fresno State beat UNLV 38-30. to And uh, look, I think a lot of the preparation is going to be that death by a million cuts that we talked about yesterday with Stephen Brooks on offense. Uh, hey, Michael Penix had his best season at Indiana in 2019. Okay, who was the offensive coordinator for Indiana in 2019? Oh, would you look at that? It, it's Kalen 
DeBauer, and that was a lot of short throws. I mean, really not letting pressure get to him at all, keeping life easy for Michael Penix, so that could be what to be expected coming up this Saturday. And one more note that I thought was interesting as well. Uh, hey, we all saw it on the game Saturday. Elijah Collins got some touches here for Michigan State. And yes, the game was out of reach. And yes, it's probably you know why he got so many touches and eventually found the end zone as well. But Ephraim Reed, uh, he's a running backs coach, if you don't know who that is, uh, called Eli Collins, quote, probably one of the best kids I've ever been around. And also, well, hey, he flat out earned the playing time against Akron. And also, Reed included that he wants to give him a bigger role as the season goes on, saying, quote, obviously, we want to ride eight and three as much as we can. Of course, that's Jalen Berger, Jarek Broussard. But I'm completely comfortable with Eli going in and running the football. So we'll see if talk is cheap right there. We'll see if Eli actually does become a staple, does become that solid third running back behind Berger and Broussard. But yeah, hey, fan favorite. And honestly, you can't help but to root for him, obviously. You know, by all accounts, he is a great kid. No doubt about that. But also, too, just stumbled across some bad luck, too. You know, caught COVID before the 2020 season and lost a considerable considerable amount of weight and started that season behind the eight ball. Okay, last year, uh, hey, it comes in. I think it was the Youngstown State game. I apologize if I'm getting the game incorrect. Regardless, it was early in the season, got in the game, and then big injury. So really back-to-back bad luck seasons for Eli Collins. It would be great to see him get back out on the field. But for the meantime, hey, we're already feeling pretty good about our top two guys at running back, which we will talk about more in a hot second because, yes, hey, I'm nervous about the game Saturday. You might be too. Obviously, a lot of betters like Washington coming up this weekend as they are already three-and-a-half-point favorites, but let's all pump the brakes. Let's shine a little light on some optimism for this upcoming weekend. But first, just got to talk your ear off about betonline.net. That's right. I'm here to talk your ear off about Bet Online because I care about you. I care about your fun. And Bet Online is the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. So head to betonline.net. If you're feeling good about MSU plus five and a half right now, which is the line on betonline.net, we'll mosey on over there, put a few shekels on the Spartans, and then reap the benefits potentially this Saturday. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. That's right, golf season is back up and running. Let's go. Max Homa, 22 to 1 on Bet Online. Throw a few shekels on that too. Head to the Bet Online website today or use a mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Gang, that is at Bet Online where the game starts. And as we get into some reasons of optimism here for uh, this weekend's game, hey, just want to thank you all for making Locked On Spartans your first listen. Every single day here at Locked On Podcast Network. All right, guys. So, like I said, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for every game, though. This isn't anything special, but maybe you are uh, more mentally stable than I am. And you only get nervous for big games. I think it's safe to say that this weekend coming up is a big game. And I think that there's maybe some anxiety around it because there's a lot of mystery around it. We didn't really learn a whole ton from the first two games for either teams, for the Huskies, who played Kent State, and then mighty Portland State of the FCS. And, you know, didn't learn 
much more that we already didn't know going into the season as MSU obviously played Western Michigan and then the Akron Zips. So I think that the mystery of not really knowing what each team truly has this season is also weighing on us a little bit. But, hey, there are some things that we do know or some strengths that MSU has over Washington's weaknesses. And we will be getting into this more throughout the week, obviously. We're going to have keys to the game on Friday. Even on tomorrow's show, we will be talking with Max Vrooman of the Dog Pound of SB Nation. That's right. So, hey, he's going to give us all sorts of things to be worried about for Washington. But for the time being, let's focus on us. Let's focus on Michigan State and why maybe we can all (sighs) take a deep breath here. Take a deep breath. And maybe realize that things might be okay this Saturday. So, first and foremost, uh, we just ended last segment talking about Michigan State's run game. And let's start this segment talking about Michigan State's run game because that's the first reason why we could feel okay about going into Seattle and potentially taking care of business this Saturday. Uh, Look, Portland State's Jalen McGee got 4.8 yards per carry last weekend. Now, Portland didn't run the ball a ton. Uh, Jalen McGee only got 12 carries because, well, they were down pretty much like 40-0 to when the game started, uh, and you ain't running the ball a lot when you're trying to make up for dozens and dozens of points. But when the Vikings did run 4.8 yards per carry from an FCS running back, that doesn't necessarily uh, inspire me a ton. If I'm a Washington Husky fan, needless to say, and that's especially a year after Washington ranked outside of the top 100 in the FBS at yards per carry. 4.9 yards per carry is what the Huskies gave up last year. Now, I will say, things have changed. They do run a different scheme. Both of their safeties aren't starting the snap in the 35th row of the stadium. They are closer to the ball when the ball snaps, so that's a big difference there. But still, the returning personnel, we already have some good sample size here. That Well, an FCS running back just gave him 4.8 yards per carry. Like Jalen Berger, like Jalen Broussard, Jarek Broussard, excuse me, we love what we have seen from those guys so far. This is going to be a good test against an opponent that has kind of shown before especially as of late, that yards are to be had if you were running the ball. Now also, hey, well, let's talk about the pass offense as well. And I get it. I get the hang-up here. I get the nerves, the worry that, okay, maybe our pass offense isn't that great because Thorne's struggling and all that good stuff. We'll get to that in the third segment. But look, if Thorne can do what he has done before and right his runs, get his footwork under him, and just become a solid quarterback well, we're going to feel really good about what we can do on Saturday. And let's take a look at the other team as well. Washington saw Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, two defensive backs last year, go in the first 40 picks of the NFL draft. Those are two big talents to replace. That goes without saying. Now also, last year at the safety position for Washington, It it was a clown car carousel of who's playing safety. They had seven different safeties play last year. No cohesion there. A lot of mystery. So you feel pretty good about that, of what happened to them in the offseason and last year. But how about what's going on this year as well? They're giving up 13.8 yards per completion so far this season. That ranks outside the top 100 amongst passing defenses. Now, I will say that's just one stat. As far as pass completion percentage go, they're doing pretty solid this year. 
but allow me to say that I'm not like overly impressed with it because okay, you played Kent State. That's a first year starting quarterback right there. You also played Portland State. <gasps> First-year starting quarterback right there. And obviously two lesser opponents. One is a group of five team that will be okay at best in the MAC, I think. And then Portland State, who, again, is an FCS team. So, yeah, the completion percentage is fine. But also when the teams were completing those passes, oh, my, we're, we're biting off some big chunks of yardage here. Now, excuse me if I'm going out on a limb here, but I think it's also safe to say that Washington hasn't seen the likes of Keon Coleman. Jaden Reed, Daniel Barker, Malik Carr, Jeremy Bernard, Christian Fitzpatrick. Let's just keep throwing names out right there. Cade McDonald. No, uh, but really, I don't think that they've seen a talented receiving and tight end core like this. Uh, you'd have to go back at some point last year when they played I, uh, Oregon, maybe, uh, USC. But yeah, point blank, uh, this is a different breed of animal at receiver and tight end going into Seattle this Saturday. So... Yes, we could all relax there. And also, too, hey, let, let's just talk about Spartan defense for a hot second. Uh, we will be talking about this later in the week, but I've talked all up and down, even this whole offseason, that the first good test for Michigan State won't come until week three. One of the big tests right here is the MSU pass rush. Because, look, hey, Western Michigan's offensive line, not that great. Akron's even worse somehow. Washington so far seems to be decent. I mean, hey, Michael Penix hasn't been sacked at all yet this year. But is that because they've played Kent State and Portland State? Or is it just because the O-line is really that good? Or because Michael Penix gets the ball out of his hands on short routes a lot? We will learn, and we will learn with some pretty good players as well. We got Jacoby Winman, okay? Guy's been pretty good, I would say. I think that's safe to say. Do you feel good about the interior line as well? Brandon Wright, Chris Bogle. This is going to be a pass rush. Safe to say, once again, that Washington has not faced yet this year. This is why they're able to put up gaudy numbers against the two teams they faced. It's because they really haven't faced a pass rush that's worth writing anything home. Now, hey, this could all mean that Washington just has a really good offensive line, but... Mm, again, we'll, we'll see once they face Mr. Jacoby Winman. And then last reason for optimism. And look, I think this is just more of a let's all take it down a notch here. And I'm talking to myself when I say that. I'm not here to lecture you. I'm here to lecture myself as well. And I'm talking about Michael Penix right now. When I hear the name Michael Penix, maybe when you hear the name Michael Penix, you think, oh, 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 God, oh, no, him again? Oh, geez, this is going to not go well for State. It really didn't go well in 2019. Yes, we did win, but, oh, man, he gave us the beats on offense. And, oh, my goodness gracious, in 2020, in that faded COVID year, he absolutely worked us in a shutout victory. But let's, let's just pump the brakes on Penix a tad, maybe. A tad, maybe. He is not Bryce Young, okay? He, he is not Joe Burrow. He is not... Uh, name any quarterback that you really, really love. He's good. Look, Penix is good, but I think that us state fans might have him on a higher pedestal than what he actually is. A, because, like, look, we recognize his name. He, he's been around college football since 2007, seemingly. So, yeah, I mean, name recognition gets us a little spooked. And, yeah, you did have those good games in 2019 and 2020. But also, like, he's just, he's he's fine. He's good. He's fine. And what also, too, he's not really that big of a runner as most of us think. 
Now, I get it. Hey, he does have mobility. He does have good legs. And I think what else is seared into our memory is I'm going to go back to that COVID year when Indiana beat Penn State. He ran for that game-winning touchdown, touched the pile on, and we're all thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. That is Mike Vick reincarnated. But I, you want to know a dirty secret about Penix? Like, yes, he is mobile in the pocket. He can escape. It's not really part of his game, though. Did you know? You ready for this fun fact? Jot this one down, actually. Peyton Thorne, last year alone, just last year, just the year of our Lord 2021, had more rushing yards than Michael Penix has had combined, combined, in his last four seasons. When I say his running isn't really anything to write home about, I'm being honest. Now, yeah, can he scramble out of the pocket for three or four runs? Coming up this Saturday, sure, but it's really not a staple in the Washington offense, in Michael Penix's repertoire. He usually only scrambles two, three, maybe four times a game. If he's really feeling spicy and wants a career day, five times. Look, if you want to go back to Brian Lewerke's stats to really have a comparison, Lewerke looked like a, looked like a, tr- a track runner compared to what Penix was doing. They, it looked like Lewerke was running wildcat compared to how much Penix runs. So yes, I think we've all got to pump the brakes there as well. He's good. And he can be really good this Saturday, but overall, it's just not that great. So hopefully that brought some optimism here. Now we're going to switch over to the biggest topic of the week, Peyton Thorn talk. But first, I just got to pay some bills really quick. So let's do that right now. All right, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, prepare yourself for something that we've never done here. This could go great. This could also go horrible. So if not for nothing, stay along for the ride here because we are going to be pulling up some YouTube clips from Saturday's game against Akron because, look, hey, Peyton Thorne knows it. Mel knows it. I know it. You know it. Your grandmother knows it. Your dog knows it. Peyton Thorne's off to a slow start this season. But it isn't all bad. We're going to be looking at some bad throws here why they happen. We're also going to be looking at some good throws right here. And if you're listening to the podcast, I will try to paint the uh, the picture with my words right here. But hey, the first two, we don't even have to look at. The interceptions. Because we talked about this yesterday. Thorne talked about both his interceptions and what on earth happened on Saturday. The first one, okay, he was completely caught off guard by a blitz. He's never seen Akron run on film. And that's why he's throwing it directly to the chest of their linebacker uh, that was in coverage. So there it is right there. Nothing mechanical there. That was just, hey, Akron ran a great play and Thorne was completely caught off guard and not prepared for it. So there you have it. Number two, okay, on the flea flicker, he even admitted that he did not see who was downfield when he was throwing it to Keon. He just knew that Keon was down there. And hey, let me just throw the ball up, see what happens. And well... The interception happened, so I don't necessarily think that was mechanical either. Now, let's get into it right now. We'll start with the bad throws right now. First, I have to shout out Matthew Loves Ball on YouTube uh, because he does these great, great uh, game cuts. He always takes care of college football fans, and he's taking care of us today because we're going to hop on his YouTube channel and check out some clips right here. So here we are. Uh, this is in the first quarter, six minutes to go. We're only halfway through the first quarter, third and six. And what are we going to see Mr. Thorne do right here as he drops back to pass? And oh my goodness, that is not even close to Keon Coleman. He has sailed it over Coleman's left shoulder. And that was the common theme on Saturday is that, okay, we're overthrowing. We're overthrowing. Even if you go back to the Western game, uh uh-oh, we're overthrowing. So 
let's just go back here, and if you could tell me, class, what we are seeing here from Peyton Thorne. Are we seeing a guy that's stepping into the throw, or are we seeing someone that is keeping a lot of weight on that back foot? This is a problem that happens when quarterbacks throw on their back foot. Happens in high school. Happens in college. Heck, it may even happen to your favorite pro team, but yes, sometimes the aim starts at footwork. And this is a problem that Peyton Thorne has talked about candidly, especially after Saturday's game, that, yeah, my footwork is usually the issue. I've just never had this overthrowing problem before. Well, when you're on your back foot, that changes the launch angle. It takes away power. Now you're overcompensating with your arm. You're trying to aim the ball a little more. So that's what happened on that first throw that we will see today. Now, the second throw. Okay, second quarter, 11 minutes to go. MSU's up 14 points. We're all having a good time in East Lansing. And here we are. Ball is snapped, and then we have a clean pocket. A really clean pocket. MSU's offensive line did a great job, and Peyton Thorne said as much after Saturday. But it doesn't look like he throws the ball knowing that it is a clean pocket. He kind of jerks away from it. He kind of does a little step-back hezzy hay action, which is not what you want to see. That is, once again, a ball that was thrown on his back foot, and let's see the crescendo of this play. It was just not good. Threw an inside baseball to Christian Fitzpatrick. Yes, MSU got the flag. No skin off their backs, but that's two clips right there where he's on his back throw, and that could be one of a few things Maybe the biggest one is that, does he entirely trust the protection that he's getting from the offensive line? Uh, he could. Uh, he Look, he said as much that, yeah, hey, the offensive line did really good, but maybe it just took him a little to realize that, that the coverage was actually pretty good. Now let's cut to some good throws here. This is at the beginning of the second quarter, and Peyton Thorne gets it. What a beautiful throw. Stepping right into it, hitting Read on an out route. Ball travels about 20 yards in the air. It was beautiful. Steps right into it. Okay. Now here we go. At the end of the first half, re, sorry, Peyton Thorne really had a good end to this first half. You're going to notice something that we haven't seen in those first two clips with the bad throws. Here he goes. And looking around, trusting his coverage, trusting his pocket, delivering a strike to Keon Coleman in that zone coverage. So look at the. Now we're all having fun. See, Peyton, you can do it. We do believe in you that you can do it. Now, here we go. Very next play. And this is actually the play that we're going to show for two reasons. One, to look at Thorne. Two, to look at what happened to Reed and why he exited the game on Saturday. So here we are. Great coverage. Just a four-man rush that MSU is absolutely positively blocking pristinely. Peyton Thorne steps into that throw, and we're looking at a ball traveling another 20 yards through the air. Now, this wasn't a completion. It was a tad high. But, hey, you had a lot worse throws on Saturday. And maybe, sort of, that could have been a ball that Reed comes down with. But let's look at what happens at the end of the play here. Oh, my. Jaden Reed slides all the way to Akron's bench. And he hits the metal corner of that bench directly in the lower back. And he knows it immediately. He is down bad in pain. There was a lot of... Uh, not, not conspiracy, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, lot, a lot of thought, a lot of um, guesses, I guess we could say, that Reed left the game because he just had a cut. It wasn't like a muscle issue or like a bone bruise or anything, that he had a cut in his back. And, well, when you run directly into a metal bench like that, that'll do it. Yeah, that will do it. So one more time, here we go. Okay, stepping back, and then Peyton Thorne just steps into the throw. Just a, just a tad high, though, for Reed right there. So that 
look, it, it wasn't the best throw that he had, but I don't think it was a horrendous throw. So there you have it. Third and 14. As we are winding down to the end of the second quarter, Reed once again steps into the throw. Little high though. Although I do think, and maybe, hey, maybe I'm being too much of a thorn apologist, but maybe that is a throw that Bernard comes down with, but maybe the timing was just a tad off too. And that's something that Thorne talked about on Tuesday with media is that, yes, he is still working on timing with guys not named Jaden Reed. So trying to still connect with the true freshman. He's just a hair off on the timing right there. So hopefully that's something that gets ironed out way sooner than later. And the last throw that we're going to look at is, I thought, a really good throw at the end of the second half. It's the 4th and 14, which MSU went for with 11 seconds left. Absolutely love it. Keep the foot on the gas, Mel. This might be the best throw we go through. Steps into it. He's comfortable with his protection. He didn't keep all the weight on the back foot. And delivers a strike 20 yards downfield to Keon Coleman. So, in short, yes, I'm sure some of it has to do with timing. That is something that Peyton Thorne talked about at, at Tuesday's press conference, which what we just said. But also, yes, he talked about it on Saturday, is that he might be aiming the ball too much. He's got to go back and look at his footwork. And I think the footwork is the number one thing right there. Now, what's the number one thing to get on the good page of footwork? Okay, to go even higher than that, the number one thing to trust your feet is to trust your offensive line. They've done a pretty good job this year. There's nothing to be skittish about at all times. So, yes, just stay in the throws, trust your coverage, trust your protection, and get in there and, quote, zip the ball. Now, who is that quote from? It's from Peyton Thorne. He said as much on Saturdays that he's aiming the ball too much. He's not zipping it in as much. Well, hey, it all starts with trusting your line and then getting through the throw. So, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed that on YouTube. And hopefully if you're listening to the podcast still, we did a good enough job right there uh, painting that picture with words. Uh, once again, that's Matthew Loves Ball on YouTube who does does the tight cuts for pretty much every Division One football game over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, glad, glad you experimented there. How about that? Getting a little nuts on a Wednesday for you right there. All right, guys. Well, as you know, that is the conclusion of today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Uh, like I said earlier, we're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to be getting into Washington. We're going to be going through what they do well, what they don't do well, all with the guy who knows the team the best, Max Vrooman of the Dog Pound. And then on Friday, we'll get into some final thoughts some keys of the game, some things we want to see, and all that fun stuff. Keep it here. Locked on Spartans, five days a week. Go enjoy the rest of your day because you've earned it. You are the best. Love you all. Go Green.